is really to um, understand though what your numbers are, right? It can be very easy to say, oh, I make $60,000 a year or I make $125,000 a year. But how much of that is your take home pay? How much are you really, what is really your income? When we think about all the expenses um, and taxes, for example, that got taken out before you even get that direct deposit, right? So if we can really understand what is our income, how much money do I have in order to budget for and create a spending plan for? So knowing your numbers is really important. Hey everyone, and welcome back to another episode of A Little Bit of Everything with me. And I am your host, Angelica. This is the podcast that talks about a little bit of everything. So sit back and enjoy the show. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of A Little Bit of Everything with me. Today, my guest is the founder of Financially Thriving, and she is here to discuss everything about money, investments, and strategies. So before we even get started, welcome, Wally, to the show. How are you doing today? Hi, Angelica. I'm excited to be here. I think this conversation is going to really be uh, an interesting share for sure. Oh, definitely. Because there's things that I'm noticing now that I should have like, you know, knocked myself in the head when I was in my early twenties and said, damn, why didn't I do any, any of these things that I see now, especially with investments and all sorts of stuff that you're seeing now that you're kind of like, oh, damn it. But before we even get into it, I would love for you to introduce yourself to my listeners. Sure. So my name is Wally Miller and I'm a financial coach. I uh, am the founder of Financially Thriving Money Coaching and I help um, mainly women, high achieving, ambitious women who kind of got the career figured out, right? But when it comes to their finances, when it comes to creating a spending plan, budgeting, saving, wealth building, it could be a little bit overwhelming. And so as a financial coach, I help women who want to balance what they want today without having to forfeit what they need in the future. And so, yeah, understanding all of the income and expenses and debt and savings and uh, what in the world is a 401k and IRA and all the alphabet soup is my jam. Cool. Awesome. I'm excited to hear more about these strategies. And for my Canadian listeners, the 401k is, I believe your retirement savings. Yeah. So yeah, exactly. So there's, um, the workplace retirement accounts. Um, I will say I have a couple Canadian, uh, clients and you all make it very simple. I mean, when we're (laughs) thinking about the alphabet soup, you get, you know, exactly what it is by the name, right? So it's like, what's a TFSA? Okay. It's a tax-free savings account. (laughs) Bam. (laughs) Yes. And when I hear these numbers from like all my American, um, guests who are on the show, I'm just like, what are you talking about? <laughs> right, they're like, right. oh, so what do you guys call it? I'm like, we call it this because it's all like in acronyms at this point. Yeah, make it super simple. We make it a bit complicated, unfortunately, 
right? Um, <laughs> but I think even, even if you have a simple name of the account, it can still feel like, okay, what am I supposed to do with that? When do I open one? How do I save for one, right? So it's really sort of understanding how, what are some strategies that you can uh, begin to implement today so that you can w- uh, build wealth for later? Okay. Awesome. And how did you get started into all of this stuff? Like when was that point that you're like, you know what, I'm going to be a financial coach. (laughs) Yeah. So it all started when I had a, where in the world is my money going moment. Um, So in my twenties, I, you know, was very fortunate that I had a really good paying job. I actually loved my career. I found a job that I had a lot of fulfillment in And I realized when I was around 28 or 29 years old, I had received a statement from the government basically listing out my income for the last 10 years. So I had like my job, you know, that I had when I was like 14 or 15 years old um, and every job that I had had through high school and through college and now after college. And when I counted or added up the total amount of money that I had made in my lifetime until the age of 28 or 29, my first thing moment was, holy crap, where did all this money go? Right. I couldn't believe that I had made that much money and I really didn't have a whole lot to show for it. And so it was at that point that I realized that I was doing something wrong, (laughs) that I wasn't um, maximizing or leveraging the income that I was making in order to really, uh, build wealth. And so that was sort of my aha moment. And at that point, I realized that I was missing a couple of components because it wasn't that I wasn't saving anything. I did put money aside. You know, I had a a savings account for um, my travel that I wanted to do. And I had a savings account for a future home down payment, But I realized, okay, once I travel and once I buy the home, like I, where's the rest of the money go, right? Um, And I really got interested in this whole notion. And I think a lot of uh, us millennials, I'm in the millennial generation, a lot of us millennials and Gen Zers, especially, we can't imagine having to work for the next 20, 30, 40, 50 years before we can retire. And so wanting to really think about how can I set myself up so that I become work optional. And that is a term that I love because when we think about retiring early, maybe some of our parents may have, instead of here in, uh, in the U S the average, the average age of retirement is like 65, right? So when we think about retiring early, you might think, okay, well, maybe if I could retire at like 59 or 60 or even 55, well, to me, that still seemed like a long time, right? When you're 25 years old and you're like, wow, I'm going to have to work for the next 30 years. Um, that didn't sound appealing to me. And so one of the components that I was missing was that wealth building journey. And even trying to define what wealth meant was a huge uh, uh, project, I should say. (laughs) Oh, definitely. And it's funny because my mom just recently retired and she retired at 65 because it's crazy how the longer you work, you get less and it's just ridiculous. Mm-hmm. So she's like, you know what? I'll just retire anyway. And luckily, you know, I became a new mom. So now she's going to be busy for the next couple of months to help me out. Right. But yeah. 
I cannot imagine because I even asked her like, how long have you been with the same company? She says, I was there for 25 years. And I'm just like, dang, like I move around a lot because I was one of those people in my early twenties where I was just like, you know, I didn't like this job, but I'll take the experience and then move on to the next and then be there for a year and then move on to the next. Cause I noticed every job I went to, I always kept getting more money, more money, more money. So that's where I was like, all right, like, where do I, what do I do now? So I ended up sticking to one job and it's been almost what five years now, which is pretty crazy. And I'm just like, can I do this for the next, you know, next like 30 years or so? Like, can I stick with this job? So it's crazy to me when I see my mom retire and she's comfortable right now and she's great. Like, you know, she was able to do whatever she could with her money, but now you're just like, crap, like in order to work that long. And I noticed that the younger generation, like you said, and I'm part of that uh, millennial generation too, that we're trying to retire by 40 or 50 years old. And I'm thinking, but then what do you do after? Oh, I have no problems coming up with <laughs> what, what I'm going to do, right? Um, Because it's not necessarily, look, like if you find a job, a career, a workplace that you could live, uh, that you could work at for a very long time, go for it. But I think that what we really want is options, right? And that's why I like using that term work optional. So perhaps you know what, I want to continue to do this work, but I don't want to do it for 40 or 50 hours every week. Maybe I can do this on Monday, Tuesdays and Wednesdays and have Thursday, Fridays and the entire weekend off so that I can do other things and pursue other passions that I, uh, other things that I'm passionate about, right? Or perhaps, you know, rather than having, now I know in Canada, you all have a, a good uh, um, maternity leave plan, right? Or, or parental leave plan, but here in yeah. Yes, it's not so good. And mm -hmm. even thinking about, okay, after six months or 12 months, or maybe even 18 months of being with my child, like now I'm going to have to go back to work. Right. And, um, thinking about, you know, childcare and managing a household and having all the work responsibilities can feel very overwhelming. And so what I want to help women do is build a life that they want, so that they have the options, right? Because if you choose to go back to work is a very different feeling than having to go back to work. If you choose to work full-time is a very different feeling than, you know what, I'm, I'm choosing to work full-time. And so I wanna give women that option. And I, I mainly work with women, but I also have couples, right? And so what I want for them to do is reaching the financial milestones like, having an emergency fund, you know, buying your first home, being debt-free. Those are all great milestones. But what I'm most interested in is tell me the life that you want to live. If you had a magic wand and could design the life that, uh, that would make you feel most fulfilled, what would that look like? And if we can begin setting goals around the lifestyle that you want, then we can align the money to making sure that you achieve the lifestyle that you want. Makes sense. It's so true. And you're right. We do. We're very fortunate to be able to be home now, 18 months, 12 to 18, you can choose to be with your child and having that choice to either go back. And sometimes you, during this time, a lot of women tend to like, okay, I'm not going to go back, but then what else could I do in the meantime, just to make some money on the side while, you know, I'm home with the kids, but 
I, 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 you know what, I see where you're coming from. It's just, what can we do to maximize our wealth in order to have that stable lifestyle? Right. Maximize that wealth and also giving yourself some flexibility, some security and some uh, options, right? The freedom, financial independence, so that your decisions aren't based around money. So that when you're making a decision about going back to work, it's not based, oh, well, I need to go back to work because I need to, you know, pay for my mortgage or my rent or food or car, right? Or if you choose to go back to work, it's again, a choice that you have rather than um, something that is forced on you. Or even that decision of, wow, I'm supposed to be on paternal leave right now or parental leave, um, but I, um, I'm trying, I'm still worried and thinking about is all of my income going to disappear? Is there a way that I can make money when really what we want to be able to do is focus on the things that are most important to us at that time, right? And so for people who may be past childbearing age and have no interest in, you know, uh, you know, being staying at home parents, okay, how can you still create a life where you are choosing what to do with your, with your time, right? So whether that is spending time with grandchildren or whether that is, you know what, I'm going to travel for six months out of the year so that I can explore the world. Or, you know, perhaps it's um, working at a lower paying job. Um, maybe it's a nonprofit organization or it's working for a cause that's really important to you. But you can choose to work at that place because you're not relying on the money. And so if we can really create a plan so that money isn't the issue and stopping us from living our best life, that is success to me. Love it. hundred percent. Now tell us some strategies. What can we do? And what did you learn from your twenties that you are implementing and helping other people? Yeah. So I wish I would have learned these things earlier on in my twenties. And I have to say for me, um, I didn't really have this realization until I was 28, 29. And I didn't really, it didn't really click for me until my ideal job and my ideal workplace sort of became a toxic workplace. And I realized, whoa, I can't just leave, right? <laughs> if, I, if I leave this job, how am I going to pay for, um, you know, a roof over my head and food on the table? And so I realized that I didn't have as much freedom and as much control as I wish I would have had. And so one of the things that um, the first thing that I recommend for all of my clients to do, and I think sometimes we can get a little too focused on the math, is really to um, understand, though, what your numbers are, right? It can be very easy to say, oh, I make $60,000 a year, or I make $125,000 a year. But how much of that is your take-home pay? How much are you really, what is really your income? When we think about all the expenses um, and taxes, for example, that got taken out before you even get that direct deposit, right? So if we can really understand what is our income, how much money do I have in order to budget for and create a spending plan for? So knowing your numbers is really important. Now, when I say know your numbers, understand what your income is, but also understand what your expenses are. 
right? And I like to divide expenses in a couple different ways. One is those essential living expenses, right? So food, accommodation, transportation, those must-haves that are um, that need to be paid for that you need to make sure you have money for. And then there's those non-essential things, right? And just because they're non-essential doesn't mean that they're not important to you, but it's okay. If I had to skip this for a week, or if I had to skip it for this month, I would still be fine. It would might, it might be a little bit of an inconvenience, um, but I really enjoy having it and it adds value to my life. It brings, um, uh, joy to me, um, and sometimes convenience. So sort of dividing your expenses by your essential living expenses and then the non-essential expenses. And the third category is sort of that wealth building bucket, right? So we're not just saving for today. We're not just spending money for today. But when I look in the mirror and I think about myself five years from now, 10 years from now? And am I also taking care of that person? Am I also taking care of 55-year-old Wally? Am I still taking care of 75-year-old Wally? And so begin to sort of think about those things, I think is, uh, um, is really important, is key. So know your numbers, know your income, know your expenses, and know um, uh, your, your savings rate. Understand how much money are you saving um, and I'll put in quotation, saving or investing, right, um, for the future. For sure. I love that. And okay, what do you, what is your opinion on investments? Because a lot of people are trying to get into investments. What are some good types of investments and what are so like you're gambling too much with your money and you got to speak to a professional? Okay, so I love this question. So many people will find me on Instagram and they'll say, oh my goodness, you're talking about investments. It's so overwhelming or I'm afraid. I don't want to lose all my money. It feels like gambling. And I will say I was one of those people. I thought if you invested in the stock market, you were gambling and there was no difference. And I will say there are some people who invest or speculate in that way right? And there's no difference between <laughs> investing and gambling, right? So when you're sort of putting money into something that you don't understand, you have no strategy behind it, you're essentially gambling, right? So when we're thinking about investing, um, and especially creating passive income streams from investing, now that is where we want to really make some educated decisions around. Now, also, when we're talking about investing, I love the stock market, but I'm also a real estate investor, right? Um, but real estate, the stock market, those aren't the only two ways to invest. You can also invest in businesses, right? You can invest in as an angel investor or as a venture capitalist, right? So there's different ways to invest. One of the things that I go through with my clients is to understand what type of investor they want to be, right? Most of us understand a little bit about real estate. We say, okay, if I buy a home, if I buy a home and I fix it up and somebody else rents it and they pay me, that's an investment. <laughs> so that one is easy to grapple with, but the barrier to entry for real estate can be a little bit higher. And so are there ways that we can invest, that we can grow our money, that we can have our money make money for us 
that doesn't require, you know, several thousands of dollars in order to get into real estate investing. And so what I like about the stock market is that it is a smaller barrier to entry. Now, one of the easiest ways to begin investing is by using those employer sponsored accounts, right? So in Canada, it would be an RR, uh, an RSSP, what is it? RRSP? account. You also yes. have something like the tax-free savings account. Um, and all of these accounts, right? If you're in the U.S., you can use something like a Roth IRA or a 401k if, you're, if your employer um, uh, offers it. So one of the best ways to begin investing is to really take a look at these accounts and understand that any contribution that you make, yay for you. Okay, that's step number one, contribute to those accounts. But the second step is to choose investments so that money isn't just sitting there. When we think about interest rates right now on cash in a savings account, it's 1% or less, right? I know Canada has a little bit better interest rates on their savings accounts, but not by much. And so when we think about, okay, well, let's say, for example, I want to have a million dollars um as my nest egg. Well, you could definitely save your way to a million dollars, but how long is it going to take, <laughs> right? And what I want to say is that there's a way to accelerate that journey that requires compounding interest, that requ requires a rate of return that's going to be higher than one or two percent. And so this is where something like the stock market can really give you a return on your investment. So if you want to begin investing, start by taking a look at some of those accounts that are available to you through your employers. The second thing is that most people, when they come to me and they, and they say, I want to begin investing, the way they're thinking about it is, tell me which company I should invest in. Tell me what's the company that I should invest in that's going to turn my $100 into a million dollars, right? Now, if I knew the answer to that, if anyone knew the answer to that without certainty, uh, uh, with 100% um, certainty, I mean, they would be bajillionaires, right? Now, we can make some assumptions, we can make some guess, we can see some things that can show one company's value over another company's value. But really, instead of trying to decide which one company to invest in, what I like to say is to take a look at it instead of thinking about what's Angelica's favorite flower. Is it a rose? Is it a dahlia? Is it a carnation? Is it a tulip, right? I'm just going to buy her a whole bouquet, right? I'm going to buy her a whole bouquet of flowers. There might be um, some red roses. There might be some baby breaths. There might be some green leaves, whatever the case might be, but I'm going to buy her a whole bouquet. And I love this analogy that um, when we're thinking about the stock market, because if you're thinking about one company, we just don't know what's going to happen. But when you get the whole bouquet, when we get a basket of investments and they are called by different things. Sometimes you might hear the term mutual fund, or you might hear index fund, or you might hear ex, ex, uh, exchange traded fund. These are just means that they're a 
basket of companies. And so instead of trying to figure out what's going to be that one next best company, you just want to buy a basket of investments. And there are some really great websites out there. And this is something that I teach my clients to do is how to take a look and how to understand what these basket of investments are, because there's so many of them. Wow. You have so many tips. I'm just like, I need to re-listen to this episode a couple of times and it's fantastic what you know, and I appreciate you sharing this. This is fantastic. Yeah. I mean, look, when, again, I wish I would have known this is, this is the whole thing, right? What I wish I would have known in my twenties about money. The first thing is understand your numbers, understand the power of compound interests, right? Um, there is uh, something called the rule of 72. And that is sort of a back of the napkin math that you can do. And what it does is help you to understand how quickly can you double your money? right? And so when we think about the rule of 72, what you want to do is figure out what the interest rate, what is the rate of return uh, that you're getting on your money? And if you can begin to understand, okay, well, if I have, if I'm putting my money into, um, let's say a savings account. And as I mentioned, I know in Canada, the, the interest rate on a savings account is a little bit better than here in the U.S., but it's not that much better. And so when we think about the annual rate of return of 1%, it would take 72 years for your money to double at 1% interest, 72 years. So imagine saving little by little, you save $1,000 or $2,000 and then taking 72 years for that money to double. Now, what the rule of 72 says is that if you take the interest rate um, and we know that on average, the stock market, and this is like even in the middle of a pandemic, right? <laughs> the stock market has returned double digits. Now that is not going to be forever, but I'm going to be very conservative and say, you know what? The stock market will has an annual rate of return of about 8%, Okay. And just for, so we have a little bit of a benchmark in 2021, the stock market was up 26% or 27%. Okay. But I'm going to be very conservative because we know there's ups in the stock market and there's downs. So at 1% interest rate, your money would take 72 years to double at an 8% interest rate. Your money will double in nine years. At a 12% interest rate, your money would double in six. And so just understanding, okay, the power of investing, there, there it is right there. Back of the napkin math, 1%, 72 years, 12%, six years for your money to double. What would happen is that instead of putting one lump sum, instead of just saying $100, what if you continuously every paycheck or once a month put money into that account, how quickly that could accelerate your wealth building. Oh, for sure. And when you see 72 years, I'm just like, Jesus, where would we be? <laughs> We're still going to be alive. Right, exactly. And so it's like, how can I make sure that I make the most of it, right? Because we, especially us millennials and genius, we can't imagine working for a place for 25, 30, 35 years. And so that was sort of the aha moment for me when I realized, okay, if I can put my money in a vehicle, 
And I didn't know what that vehicle was. But if I could put my money in a vehicle that would earn me, that would grow at a rate that is higher than my local savings account. <laughs> now that's the power of wealth building. And I will say when I started on my journey, it was very much about me. How can I take care of my goals? How can I do this for myself? But what I've, what's been really, really important to me now is I can use those same principles to save and invest for the next generation, right? I can do this for my nieces, my nephews, any children that we end up having, I can also build wealth for them. And now, now this is a new term, right? It's generational wealth. Building wealth for us, awesome. But now we're talking about leaving and changing a whole family's financial legacy. And we use the power of compounding interest and the power of investments. And I, again, I talk a lot about the stock market, but I'm also a real estate investor. You can also invest in real estate. You can also use those same principles in order to make sure that time is working for you and that your money is doubling without you even having to do anything. Wow. Your wealth of knowledge. Now, what is your process when it comes to somebody signing up with you and working with them and their finances? All right. So I think I mentioned this a little bit earlier, but I like to say we like to focus on the math and we really shouldn't focus on the math all that much. Your mindset and is really important. Now, when I say the term money mindset, it can sound a little like woo-woo, like what does that mean? Um, but your money mindset essentially is your, your behaviors, your rituals, um, your attitude when it comes to spending and saving money. And what most of us don't realize is that our habits and behaviors and thoughts and relationship with money are formed and shaped when we're really young. So we learn so much and we pick up so much about how to react towards money when we're seven, eight, nine, or 10 years old. Now, some of this stuff we learn directly from the people who raise us, directly from our parents, for example, but some of this we learn indirectly from them. And so one of the processes that we go through with my clients is, of course, the numbers are really important. Of course, the calculations are important, but really we need to understand what are your habits, your behaviors, your relationship with money. And so that is something else that we go through with financial coaching. Now, look, I have a three-month coaching program, and I will say that most of my clients will come to me for three months of financial coaching because they need it. They're like, I need to do something different. I want to make sure that I have a plan. But most of my clients stay with me for months and months because at that point, it's not that they need a financial coach, but they want that accountability to make sure that they stick to the plan. And so when you go to my website, you can learn a little bit more about financially thriving and my money coaching process because I don't sell investments, right? This is not about me managing your assets. I want to teach you how to think about money. I want to teach you the, the math about it, the psychology around it and the habits. And so that you walk away with a financial framework and a financial philosophy that you can take for years to come. So what you're learning today is about how to make money decisions, right? And so that you align what you value most, most with how you're spending and using money. 
Fantastic. Oh my gosh. There's so much that you've already shared. And I definitely want the listeners to get out there and contact you, but where can they find you? I am most active on Instagram and I share some tips and I go live and videos and you can find me on Instagram, which is financially underscore thriving, but you can also just go on my website, which is financiallythriving.com, And you can find all of my socials there. If you're interested in connecting with me, feel free to, um, um, either go on Instagram or send me a message on, uh, on my website and, uh, yeah, schedule a free call. And let's see if we can get you wealth building and being work optional in your forties, instead of waiting till your sixties. <laughs> Yes. Or unless you reach to like a hundred or something and then (laughs) it's a whole new world. (laughs) Right. Exactly. Exactly. I did have somebody who my, my mom's friend, my mom's friend, dad lived up to 110. So (laughs) you could imagine. (laughs) Wow. That's, oh my goodness. Wow. God bless. Like that's wild. That's right. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So start investing because if you do reach over a hundred, like, what are you going to do to, to just to keep going? (laughs) Yeah. And you know, one of the questions that you asked earlier is like, okay, but what happens if I do retire at 40 years old? Like what do I do? I have so many things that I want to do, but I think sometimes it can be hard for us to even think about that. Um, and I like to say that, you know, I have found, uh, you know, I focus so much in my twenties about getting my career that I forgot to have fun. And I forgot to like <laughs> some of those childlike dreams that I had. And that is what I want my clients to kind of go back to. Right. It's like, when you were young, like what were some of those things that really sparked joy in you? And maybe try those things out, right? Did you want to be a writer or, in, you know, did you want to be an animator, like, a, you know, work in animation or, you know, did you want to be a chess champion, a grandmaster? And because it wasn't practical, that wasn't something that you pursued or perhaps music, right? And so I don't think we need to wait until we're 60 or 65 to go back to those passions. These are things that if we can really create a financial plan so that you're not worried about money, so that that is working in the background while you're also pursuing the things that you love most, like that is, that is uh, sort of the gold, uh, um, you know, that intersection right there. If we can really figure out what is most important to us, um, is it traveling? Is it spending more time with your family? Is it pursuing those passion projects or passion hobbies? Like that is where, um, that, that's the joy of life right there. Oh my gosh, a hundred percent. I agree. Well, Wally, I really appreciate everything that you said throughout this podcast. For those listening, if you need to listen to again, definitely listen again to this episode because her knowledge is pure wealth. And I'm just like, wowed out. (laughs) Awesome. Well, thank you so much for having me. It's been a blast having this conversation. And look, there's a lot of really great books and podcasts and YouTube channels all talking about personal finance. But really what I want you to do is to implement those things. So if you have a nightstand full of financial books and personal finance books, like it is time to take the steps and begin to implement audience. Wally's information is going to be in the show notes. Definitely follow her, check her out, ask her questions and get into wealth building. Thank you again, Wally. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Have a good one. 
Thank you. And to all my listeners out there, thank you for tuning in on another episode of A Little Bit of Everything with me. And that's all we have for now. I'm Anthony. And I'm Jessica with the Beautiful Feet Podcast. Hey, it's your boy Bromar, host of The Bromar Show. Hello, everyone. It's the Coupon Queen Pen from the CQP Moments Podcast. What's up, everybody? This is your boy Ken, aka The Gentleman of the Gentleman Lifestyle Podcast. Hi, this is Stephanie Valente, your local massage therapist. And you're listening to a little bit of everything with Angelica. That's it for now. And thank you for tuning in on another episode of A Little Bit of Everything with me. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Just don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe on the podcast platform that you're listening to.